there's 7 billion people in the world. So there's 7 billion different paths. And I feel like that's like such a great way to even think of yoga, you know, like I there's love it. so many different ways. We're all trying to get to the same thing. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how you do it as long as you figure out what your way is so that you can do it. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, we are doing a long-awaited episode that I cannot believe has not come out yet we are finally doing yoga and an interview with a yoga instructor. And I get to speak with one of my good friends, Christy Rafanan. So I have had the interesting pleasure in my life of being good friends with many yoga instructors. Um, A lot of people that I know just decided that that was going to be their path in life. So I know many very good yoga instructors. And Christy is possibly at the very, very top of the top. She is absolutely fantastic as a yoga teacher and more than that she's just one of the coolest people that i have ever met and i'm sure you will feel that way as you listen to her during this interview we will talk about um yoga as both an exercise and as sort of a spiritual and philosophical practice and how those things uh intersect and intertwine um in your daily life and things like that so um A lot of awesome stuff in this interview. I hope you all really enjoy it. Without further ado, here is Yoga Instructor. Christy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we start out with a little bit about you and your background? I would love to know when and sort of why you started doing yoga. Okay. Um, This is such a hard question for me. Um, So I started doing yoga, I think about 12 years ago. Um, and the why is kind of a long story, uh, a little bit of a sad story, but I'm happy to share all of it. Um, so to go like way back, I was raised, um, with an abusive parent and, you know, when you grow up that way, um, which I think is common for a lot of people, unfortunately, but I think when you grow up that way, you, um, you grow up with a different mindset, right? Like there's this idea of self-worth and self-love that are not taught to you, um, because of that kind of raising. And so when I started practicing yoga, um, a friend of mine had got me to come into it and, uh, I'd known her since we were five and she was, uh, then a yoga instructor and we were both around 20, 21 years old. And she was like, Oh yeah, just come to this class. Um, and I had always been an athlete. So doing anything physical was always intriguing to me. Um, and she got me to come to my first class and I was like, what do you mean? Don't wear shoes. Like, what are you talking about? But I went and, um, it, Yeah, it was really just like, she just told me to come and I was like, okay. And in the class, we started like, you know, doing these shapes, these things I had never done before. And some of them I would get into and didn't even realize 
that my body was capable of that. And so then I was like, well, if I did that weird thing, like what else can I do? And so that got me to keep coming back. Um, what type know, of yoga for- <laughs> was this that you did the first time? Oh, this is, so this is interesting. So my, uh, my friend who was my first teacher, I practiced with her only for three years. Um, when I first started, she, uh, was taught the Ashtanga primary series. Um, and Ashtanga is, uh, six series, uh, broken up and, uh, it's traditional from Mysore, India taught by Patabi Joyce. And, um, the primary series is the most common one that you'll see because the way that Ashtanga works is that you cannot basically move on to the next series until you've quote unquote mastered every posture in the series that you're working on. So primary series is pretty much the most common one that you'll see. There's um, not many people who are like certified to teach beyond that um, throughout. So what are the poses in the primary series for people that have seen a little bit of yoga before or done a little bit? Uh, there's quite a few. I want to say that there's like at least like 70 postures. Um, oh, wow. I thought it's going to be like yeah. some little series. No, no. It, yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's like a 90 minute practice. Um, and so um, that's kind of also what kept me coming back was because there's this very precise kind of like discipline to it, right? Like you do these same postures every time. Um, and you work towards mastering each one. So there's always something you're working on, right? And there's always something that you're learning, something that you can't do yet that you're trying to um, to work on and work towards so that you can keep going. At the time, though, I didn't know, like, I just thought that what we were doing was yoga and that's all the yoga. Um, so I didn't even know that I was doing, like, the Ashtanga Primary Series. I didn't know what it, type of yoga it was called. And I didn't know there were other types of yoga. Like, I just thought it was, that was it. That was the yoga. Right. Um, and it, but it was really great because I'm somebody who, uh, like, I like to operate with a lot of structure and discipline. And some of that has to do with my upbringing, too. I'm, it, that's, like, a comfortable place for me. So um, to kind of have to really work diligently with like alignment and work in this order of postures. Um, that's also what kept me coming back because I was like, Oh, this is like feeding me in a way that, that I'm used to that is like nurturing to me. Yeah, for sure. That's some of the times that I've done yoga. Um, it's something I've really enjoyed about it as well is it, I guess allows a lot of flexibility in terms of what you want to focus on today. And to your point, like what sort of personality type you are. So in, in for that matter, like that's something that I sometimes will, will not like about yoga very much is when I go to a class and when the teacher is not very instructive with how my pose should be done. And I'm sitting there thinking like, is this wrong? And like, then I'm like in my head and I'm like, I shouldn't be in my head right now. I should be relaxed and I should just be doing it. But if I'm not doing it right, I want to know. And they're not saying anything, you know, like, and, and then it's like, oh, well, there is no right or it doesn't matter. And it's like, nah, man, there's gotta be a right. Like there's gotta be like something that should kind of be done. But, uh, anyways, like there really is sort of something for everyone with yoga. I feel like if you are someone who doesn't care about those things, that yoga is for you if you are someone who cares about those things yoga is for you if you are someone that needs um a difficult workout yoga could be for you if you're someone that needs a light workout it could be for you at least this is the way that it strikes me mm-hmm. no i agree 100 percent. and you know that was what was interesting for me when i started to branch off from my 
first teacher um, was that I was like, whoa, there's all these other styles and they have like different names. And really like the names are just to help you differentiate. It's all yoga, right? But um, but it is interesting because, yeah, I mean, there there is literally something for everyone. Um, and yeah, it just depends on like, if you like connect with that instructor, maybe for the way they teach or connecting with a style because it like serves you in, in your body or however, like you're talking about this, like, you know, kind of mental ping pong game that happens when you're practicing and it's like, okay, well, which version or which style of yoga, like kind of calms that down. Right. That's usually what we're all looking for. Yeah, definitely. My teacher, one of my main teachers, I love it. She says it all the time. It's like, there's 7 billion people in the world. So there's 7 billion different paths. And I feel like that's like such a great way to even think of yoga. You know, like I there's love it. so many different ways. We're all trying to get to the same thing. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how you do it as long as you figure out what your way is so that you can do it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. To the, to, I guess the point of my neuroses, like, like you've said, and like your friend says, it's like, there, there really isn't supposed to be uh, the way. Like, um, you need to find your own. Yeah, exactly. So, Christy, to get back to something that you said earlier, before we get kind of too far away from it, um, with your upbringing and sort of like the difficult childhood that you had, how you were, you were about to kind of touch on, and then we got away from it a little bit. Like, mm. I guess how yoga kind of helped you with that, and this is something that I wanted to talk about anyways, which is the um, sort of metaphysical and like mental aspect of yoga and stuff like that. Is, is that something that you were, I guess, like a direction that you were going to go with that or? Yeah. You know, the timing of this interview is so funny because um, I just made a decision like yesterday or maybe two days ago um, to actually start to share some of like my story and like my journey of like who I was before I got into yoga and then like the why I stayed and then the like kind of where I'm at now. And so it's been broken up into like two posts so far and I haven't really like flushed out the whole story yet, but, um, but it's been interesting cause it's, you know, uh, it's always a little bit, um, I don't know, just makes you feel raw, right. To kind of like expose these part of yourselves that you don't really show that much. Yeah. Um, but then I thought it was timing. It was funny when I got your uh, questions. Cause you know, the first one's like, why do you do yoga? And I was like, Oh, like he's asking literally like the hardest question. first. But it's, great. <laughs> it's so great. No. So yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is like, I started going back because of like this physical draw and, um, about a month in of my, you know, first month practicing yoga, I would get to the end, which is Shavasana right? And it's like a, um, reclined meditation posture. And I'll, all of a sudden, like I would just break out into tears and I like, like uncontrollable crying. Um, and I would of course like stifle it because I'm understanding that this is like a thing for everyone, but I'm having this, like, you know, these emotion, emotional, like outbursts almost, if you will. Um, and was anything going through your mind as you were having these emotions or was it almost not even tied to anything like on the surface at the time? Uh, more of the latter. Like the thing was that, you know, as part of my upbringing, like I bottled a lot of stuff up, you know, like there was a lot of 
frustration and and really not understanding like why things happened the way they did or why like my upbringing was different from, you know, my friends and things like that. And so when this started coming up, I like at first really was just ashamed. As soon as class would wrap, I would literally just like, you know, tuck my chin in so my hair's draping over my face so no one can see and like roll my fat up, uh, my mat up really fast um, and just like book it out the door and not like not even say goodbye to my friend who was the teacher. Right. Um, and I did this like a few times because I just was like, what the hell is going on? This is embarrassing. Um, and then there was just finally one class where it happened again. And instead of, um, of kind of letting that shame or that embarrassment come in, I sat there and was like, well, why, why is this happening? And it was so weird. Cause I can still remember it, you know, 12 years later that as soon as I said the word why in that instant, it just like hit me that I felt depressed and that I felt sad and lonely. And then as that kind of those words kind of kept flowing out, I realized that like, I didn't love myself at all. I couldn't think of one aspect of myself that I was like, yeah, I love that about me. Um, and I realized that because I didn't love myself, that's why I didn't feel like I had love in my life. And so that's why I felt sad and lonely. And that's why I was depressed. Um, and, you know, I feel like that all kind of narrows back and ties back to just being raised, you know, in an abusive house. Like you don't, you, there's no like thought about showing those, you know, there was no showing us children like, you know, to, to love ourselves because like, right. This person that we're looking up to is not even representing love the way that I see it or saw it among my other friends and their families. Right. 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 Um, and so, um, yeah, so it was this really interesting thing or I don't maybe not interesting, impactful moment. Right. Where I'm like, whoa. And then all of a sudden I realized that yoga was not just about like doing these like poses. Right. Um, and so as oh, go ahead. Could we dig into that for a second for people that aren't very familiar with yoga or for people that do see yoga solely as an exercise? Why do you think that happened then? And what is the sort of, uh, like deeper piece of yoga that that is, is more than just exercise for you and for a ton of people. Mm. Yeah. You know, the way that I constantly think about it, because now when I look at where my practice is, um, and what I focus on when I'm practicing, it's still a very physical practice for me. Um, in that, like I'm doing these very physical things, but, um, but, I think what happens is that when we think about like our body, it's this vessel that really is kind of like the vehicle that is helping us navigate through what is this experience of life. Right. And I think that it's really easy to get people 
into yoga because of the physical aspect, because it's tangible, right? Like I can touch my body. I can see where I can put my foot. I can see where my hand is supposed to go. And then there's also this person, right? The instructor who is uh, walking around and also adjusting me or telling me what I need to realign. It's these things that I can really physically touch and understand and comprehend. Um, And you watch the changes as they take place, which I think is such a Mm-hmm. Such a major tangible thing for us as people is we want results. Yes. We want to see them and we want them to be relatively quick. You know, like exactly. if if one week later I can't I can't bend over a little bit further, then why am I doing this? Or if my body doesn't start to look a little bit better, then why am I doing this? And so it's like mm. those physical things that people pay attention to because the the mental and emotional ones are so much more fluid, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to, to see changes. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, you know, whether most of us want to admit it or not, we're often trying to like run away from those things, mental and emotional like fluctuations. Right. And so to kind of like, just be like, Oh, I'm just getting like into my body. Like it feels like easy. It doesn't, it's not so scary. Right. To like get it's not scary to get into your body or like to get to know your body for most people. Um, and so I feel like what happens though is as, as you continue to practice, like whether you are like into this idea of the, you know, metaphysical aspects or the philosophy behind a yoga practice or not, it still happens to you. So whether you're looking for it or not, it still happens to you. And truly I think deep down, if you're going again and again and again, it's because you are looking for something and you are looking for a change. And I think it stops being physical after some point, whether you admit it to yourself or not. And for me, that was something that happened was I had this wow moment of this realization of something, you know, much deeper inside of like my person. Um, and so I kept coming back to this practice and as my body changed, so did my mentality about things. I started to feel stronger physically. And then therefore there was a more like mental strength to like, start to be like, okay, like my mind is a little stronger to face like why I'm crying at the end of this practice, as opposed to just like furiously rolling at my mat and running around out and pretending it didn't happen. (laughs) You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and I mean, that's the thing is like over the years, like I've had other practices where I've cried and I just am like openly crying and I don't even care, you know, because I'm just having this experience. Um, and whereas before in the beginning, I was terrified of that and had to like run away and hide from it. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. It completely does. So what, (laughs) what elements of yoga do you feel like if you can pin it down I guess like what is different about yoga from other forms of exercise that allows that sort of growth to take place? Because if somebody is really into riding a bike, you don't really hear people say the things that you just said about like, you see, like if you just keep riding your bike every day for the next six months, I promise like you're going to have a breakthrough about your relationship to your brother. You know, it's like, no, like that's probably not going to happen from riding a bike. And yet somehow it makes sense when somebody says that about yoga, like what about that makes sense and why yoga? I think 
And I, it's, it's an interesting, um, this is a great question because I want to start off by saying that initially and uh, not even initially, I want to say like, not even like two years ago, um, if you had maybe asked me the same question, I probably would have been like, yeah, yoga is the only way to like access this kind of thing, um, or this kind of feeling or this kind of, um, inner intelligence, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, as I've started to incorporate other movement practices outside of yoga into my own life, I've started to understand that really like anything we do can be yoga. It could be gardening or reading or painting or like doing a yoga practice or riding your bike or whatever. But I think what separates it and what uh, kind of helps people dial in more with a specifically yoga asana or yoga posture practice is that there is this idea of awareness. Um, and it's interesting because it's not that you can't be aware doing those other things, but I feel like when you're in a yoga practice, there is this awareness of like everything. Like you have to, you first always start right every class with breathing. Like you don't do anything until you start to find a rhythmic breath. And then after you have that breath going, that's when the posture start to come in. And it's always like starting out moving slowly and then gradually builds up to a peak where you're meeting your, you know, highest challenges in the physical practice and then brings you back down. Right. And so there's this really kind of like thoughtful way of moving through. And that is guided by somebody who's also been through that experience. Right. So eventually I think after you've done a practice like yoga for a while, you can start to make anything you do yoga, if that makes sense. So you could be on a solo bike ride and starting to incorporate these ideas of awareness. And it's something that's really interesting. um, I think with the yoga practice, like one of the great teachers, BKS Iyengar, who, you know, helped bring yoga to Western culture. Um, in one of his books that I've just reopened again called the tree of life, he talks about like having awareness in all parts of your body and how challenging that can be. And then when you think about it, it's like, how often are you fully aware of every part of your body? Right. And, um, it's easy to kind of in, you know, even a basic lunge, right to forget about the foot behind you because you don't see it. Right. So we're coming back into the idea of like what's tangible and what's not. And when you can start to be like, okay, I can't see that back foot, but I can feel that it's shaking, which means that there's some disconnection there. And so when you can figure out how to take the shaking out of it, stabilizing the knee or the ankle or whatever it is, right. Then all of a sudden you have that awareness there, but you don't have to look at that foot to be aware of it. You Mm. just are aware. And so I think that's, it's this practice of breathing complete breaths. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is that we often, I think, breathe really shallow. So just kind of high up in the chest. And when we're doing a yoga practice, breathing 
it's much deeper than that. It's drawing all the way down through the rib cage, down to the belly, maybe even the hips. And then the exhale is matching that length. So we're starting to find this like one-to-one ratio breath where there's an equal length in both the inhale and the exhale. And then even like that, it's like, how often do you find yourself breathing like that if you're not in a yoga practice, right? Um, Obviously, you're not going to get on your bike and like try to breathe that way because that's not a healthy way to ride your bike and breathe. Yeah, right. You'll just be out of breath. Yeah, it just wouldn't work. So I think this idea, this like this specific way of breathing, which by the way, when you are starting to match the length of your breath that way, equal inhale, equal exhale in the length, um, this is actually a specific way of breathing that literally soothes the nervous system so that it turns off the our fight and flight side of our nervous system and kicks on the rest and digest. So it's a very purposeful breath and you can't really do it in like all things, right? Like we just talked about with riding a bike. Um, so it's this connection of breath and then this connection of like complete awareness. Right. So, and so yoga is very purposely cultivating awareness. And once you have learned to once you have sharpened your own awareness, like you said, you can, you could bring that to other things. You could bring that to a bike ride. You could bring that to gardening, but until that has been sharpened to begin with, you wouldn't even really know where to begin in those other things. Cause there's a lot more kind of going on, um, than there yeah, is in I mean, yoga a class. Way, yeah. There's just like a different way you have to approach it. And you know, the, the kind of epiphany that I had with that was when I started incorporating weight training into my lifestyle and, the breathing is opposite. Like in yoga, when you're taking an upward movement, you inhale, like it's a rising, right? And when you're taking a downward movement, it's an exhale. But like for squatting, for instance, you inhale down and you use the exhale to power you back up. So it's an interesting thing because when you start to look at other movement practices, whatever they are, there's still like specific ways to breathe. They're just different than like a yoga practice way of breathing. Did you question it just as someone that uh, also lifts weights and stuff. Did you lift weights prior to ever doing yoga to begin with? Like, did you lift weights back in the day? Mm, Kind of, you know, like for, cause like sports in college, I definitely had to be on like a weight training program, but I always hated it. Hated the gym. I didn't understand. Um, and I was never really like, um, interested enough to like learn proper technique or form. And also really there wasn't anyone teaching me. So it just felt pointless. Does at it, the time. Yeah. So I guess it's a little bit uh, difficult of a question, but do you feel that now because of how in touch with your body you are and how like the, the type of presence and awareness that you bring to life and to your weight training and everything, uh, does it really change the weight training, uh, I guess maybe just like the speed with which you do things or like the, let's say focus on like your legs and your glutes and stuff as you are doing squats and and like the awareness in your body versus like most people at the gym, you know, just are are like have their headphones in and are just like slamming through as many reps as they can, not really paying any attention to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely informed my practice. And I think that's why I actually enjoy it so much now. Like now I crave it as much as going to like a yoga practice. um, Because there's so much awareness there. And um, it's funny. Because when I first joined my gym, they offer like free, um, 
or like a complimentary training with a trainer. And I somehow was lucky enough to end up getting two of those. And I liked this because I basically like made them like show me how to use the machine so that I could, because most people don't go to the gym because they're like, Oh, I don't want to look like an idiot. Just like you don't want to start anything new because you don't want to look like an idiot. But <laughs> yeah. like that's what you commonly hear about the gym. So I made them show me like how to do exercises and use machines so that I could feel comfortable. But what was funny is that um, uh, both of the trainers separately, uh, when they like had me do different exercises, they were like, okay, like, is anything even happening? Cause your face isn't saying anything. And I was just like, oh yeah, like definitely. But that's, it's a funny thing because that's something that like yoga actually has like taught me is like, this is this idea of awareness. Like it's so easy when we get stressed about anything, whether we're doing something physical or we're just like at work or something that we move the stress from what, what should actually be dealing with the stress to like something else. So it's like, some people try to lift weights with their face, right? Or <laughs> they try to lift weights with their voice, right? You, that's why you got those people who are like screaming and stuff like in the gym. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't doubt that like what they're doing isn't hard, but, um, but that's what yoga also taught me is that it's like, don't try to like do these postures or do like your efforts from like unnecessary places. And so even when I'm lifting weights, like I'm probably the calmest person in the gym, even if I'm lifting as heavy as somebody next to me, because it's just having the awareness of like, no, like I'm isolating this to the muscle that I'm trying to work. And I'm using my breath to help me move in and out of like the exercise. Um, so I don't wear it on my face, yeah, you know, totally. um, not that I'm saying that I lift better than anyone else. I'm still learning. A lot <laughs> I think it sounds like you do. But, um, but I do, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for my yoga practice being there first because I feel like it does make me really focus on what I'm doing. And, um, and I feel like I've, you know, have better results and I'm saying, you know, like I'm avoiding injury too, because I'm just being really aware of what I'm doing. So in that regard, before we get back to some of the more like technical aspects of yoga, um, mm -hmm. How how do you feel that that's also changed your life, just your experience of daily life, like walking through life as a yogi, like with more awareness per se, or mm -hmm. um, I don't know, just more more calm, more in touch with your emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a this is a fun question because I um, I remember some of the first times that I started to see how this, uh, like it, the way you just described it being like calm, um, how this awareness started to change me without me even like trying to think about it. And it was, um, what most people don't know about me now that have met me in recent years is that I have, or maybe used to have, I don't know if it's it's probably still there, but it just doesn't really get access anymore. Um, I have a very short temper and it's very fiery. Um, like I used to put my fist through walls when I got angry and I used to like yell and break things when I was frustrated. And, um, and I used to say like shitty things about people because I just like to say what I thought because I didn't, didn't really care, you know, how it affected people. I just liked to say things that I thought. Um, and I remember being in my kitchen, the, uh, the house that I grew up in. Um, and I remember being really 
I don't know. I got really angry about something and it was something dumb. Like I think like an inanimate object wasn't operating in the way it was supposed to. And, (laughs) and like, but this is like the old me, like I would just get like so angry about something like that and like want to break it or yell or punch something. And I remember feeling like that inner like fire of that rage, like starting to like bubble up in me. And I remember just stopping and putting my hands on the counter and taking a deep breath in and then a deep breath out. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, it's fine. Okay. Like now just figure out how to like move forward with what you're trying to do while this thing isn't working or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. Um, but it was like such a like huge eye opening moment where I was like, whoa, I took a deep breath and then I let it go and I didn't punch a wall, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was like this other time that I remember where, um, I went to a store and I bought something and I, uh, came back to the car and I was running late already, but I had to get that thing before I went to where I was going. And then I had locked my keys in my car and the old me would have started freaking out, being frustrated, like, again, maybe punching the car. I don't know. Um, and instead I just like took a couple deep breaths and then I was like, how can I fix this? And I remember like figuring something out really quickly. And so, um, it's interesting because the practice just starts to like move through you without you trying when you are doing it consistently. Um, and it's continued to do that throughout my life. I've started to be able to actually just be clear headed. And you know, this old Christy still pops up and then it's like, I take that breath and it brings me back to like, okay, let's not react. Let's uh, respond. Right. Um, and yeah, just kind of always seeing how this practice has taught me to understand like, or not understand, but to acknowledge like whatever emotions coming up, but not let that emotion rule me and rule my actions. Yeah. Which can be so hard. I'm so hard. I'm similar to the way that you are. I mean, I don't, I don't punch things. Luckily, you know, <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't I'm not like that, it. like with my temper, <laughs> but with my emotions, it's like, I just let like, you know, when they come up, I like, I wear them. I like, I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you are that sort of person, it's difficult to not be that sort of person. It's difficult to to be stoic and to to take a minute and think about things before acting, like you said, and not just reacting to things. So uh, maybe I just got to do some more yoga and stuff. That sounds great. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So let's talk more about the physical aspects of yoga. Um, for one, how many different types of yoga are there? If you don't know like the exact number, if you could just ballpark it because i mean oh my there's like this uh, type and that type and yeah i mean that's a hard question to answer i like part of me wants to be like oh there's probably like you could say hundreds or maybe even thousands um again coming back to that point seven billion people seven million paths but the thing is is that i feel like a lot of the like tons of different names that we see especially the ones that get like way out there like what is this um goat yoga or something oh i've and- done it it's great. Uh, it looks real cute. Um, <laughs> goat yoga. And then there's like, I mean, I, anyway, like we don't have to go through these names, but it's really like, um, I mean, to me still, it's like, it's all yoga. Right. Um, and they're not, they're different 
stylistically, but it's still the same thing to me. So, I which don't is really what? So, I would love to ask this question then: What to you defines yoga? Like, what would make something not yoga anymore? What would make something not yoga anymore? Like what elements need to be there for it to be considered yoga? And then if what things maybe were missing or, you know, it, it's like too much or whatever. Mm. This is such a hard question. So like, are we doing yoga right now? Who knows? Maybe. Oh, mm. <laughs> uh, so I liken it like, okay. So another way that I think of it is like, uh, like when I cook a meal, like I go to the store and I pick out the like tomatoes that I want. And I don't just like go and grab a basket of tomatoes from the basket. I actually look at the baskets and like see that the tomatoes are like of quality. And then like when I go and grab the basil, I like will open the bag and see that like there's no discoloration or wilting. And if it is, then I just keep going through until I find one. And I also smell it and make sure that it like smells like basil. Right. Um, and I can keep going through the market and getting things right, but I'm picking them out in a very specific way. Um, because like, I'm looking for the quality and how they're going to like add to the end result of what the meal is going to be. And then when I prepare it, you know, like I'm like picking the basil off, like at the stem so that the stem's not there because it's not like pleasant to chew on. So we just have like the nice leafy part. The tomatoes are rinsing, I'm seasoning them. And then like, putting this all together, right? It's all really thoughtful and uh, methodical. And then just also being aware of like what's happening, right? Um, Because it would be easy to like rush through the store and just like grab the basket of tomatoes and grab the basil and come home with like shitty product and then make a shitty meal, right? Mm -hmm. But instead it's like, I feel like that's where like yoga can come into what you're doing. Like you're being aware and you're being thoughtful about what you're doing and how you're doing it. But that's not yoga. Or you're saying that is. No, I feel like that is yoga. Like we're starting to kind of narrow to. Oh, I don't so know for, so you're, you're, you're talking about <laughs> yoga basically as a, a uh, philosophical like and life practice rather mm-hmm. than as a exercise practice. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. And you know, it's like, and, um, I'm so glad that you like were able to put that into words better than me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cause I was like, oh, I'm just talking about tomatoes and bagel now. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, you know, it's interesting cause for a long time now, um, I, and people always kind of like, I don't know, like guffaw at the ideas that they'll be like, like I'll tell them that I went to the gym and I did this thing and then I went to a yoga class and they're like, whoa, you did like three workouts. And it's like, well, no, like I'm always like the yoga is not like a workout, you know? Um, and yeah, there's like a lot of physical benefits on the, depending on the type of yoga that you do do, because like there is like restorative yoga, um, which is, you know, like really beneficial to like the internal aspects of the body, but it's not like you're going to get like a six pack. Um, And then, of course, there's like Ashtanga yoga where you're like jumping and flying all around and it's requiring a lot of like from your core and like um, and you might get a six pack doing that practice. Um, And so then none of that's bad. Right. I mean, I think it's really good to take care of our bodies and have healthy bodies. But um, 
but yeah, I think that it's, uh, it's not about the physical part. The, the postures are just a tool for you to actually like dig deeper into like yourself because do you believe the way that that uh, do you believe that this is what we have come to decide that yoga is now or that this is what the uh like founders of yoga intended well and i'm not like um i don't want to claim to be like well versed in a lot of the ancient yogic texts but in some of the original yoga texts like the yoga sutras when they talk about yoga asana, so asana is like the word used for like posture or the uh, the poses that we practice. Um, all they were were the only talk in in that old text is four postures, and they're all seated positions. Asana also means seat. So the idea is that you want to have a comfortable seat so that you can sit in meditation. And that's the yoga practice. Wow. These postures were only brought up like a couple hundred years ago um, as a tool to get us to a healthy body so that we can sit comfortably. So when you look at... So that you could do your asanas better. (laughs) So Exactly. That's crazy. That's the thing is like when you look at the Sanskrit words of every yoga posture, they end with the word asana. And so then you start to go deeper with that word asana. And the idea is that you're trying to find your seat in every pose, your comfortable, steady seat in every pose. So even the handstand, I'm trying to find the same mental place of my seat. Right. Yeah. Um, And so, and that's the thing too, is like, um, and I, it's funny when I was in my 200 hour teacher training, um, one, one of our teachers who was teaching uh, philosophy is like a super smart guy. Um, and has, he's actually like a scholar in Sanskrit and all this stuff and a lot of the texts, but, um, he, uh, I remember one of my classmates got really offended because he was like, yeah, a lot of these postures, like, uh, if you look at, um, the like circus performers from like England, like that's where the pop, like the postures are the same. And she got really offended because, you know, like Yogi Mandalata and the postures did as well. Um, but he was really trying to just show that like the postures were more of a recent thing, uh, tied to the word yoga, um, to, to help people get to that, that seat really. Um, and they are, I mean, you see like in the circus and in contortion, there's handstands and there's these back bends and all these things. And they're all postures that are done in yoga too. Um, so these are not ancient, uh, move. This is not an ancient movement practice. It's an ancient like meditation practice really. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the teaching piece of everything, Christy. So, okay. uh, let's, Take us back in time to your very first class ever. So you go to yoga teacher training, you get out of yoga teacher training, and you're going to teach your first class. Were you super scared to teach your first class? Or were you like, I'm a yogi, so I'm super calm, and it's no big (laughs) deal? No, I was terrified. Um, First, I was nervous because like the the first studio I taught at the room, I think could max at like 18 people. And I was like, what if 18 people show up? That's so many people. Um, yeah. And like, it was terrified. I was like, what if uh, it's not a good class? What if they don't like me? What if I really don't really know as much as I think I do? Like, 
who am I to get up in front of all these people and teach a yoga class? Um, and then like five people came and it was like the perfect size. And I taught my class and I was like scared the whole time. But my friends, two of my friends came to it and they were like, we couldn't tell. But I was terrified. And I think I got butterflies in my stomach before every class for probably like the good like first year, year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How do but you think that you've... Thing... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to say the interesting thing, and maybe it's not so interesting, but just kind of like makes sense is that like these butterflies would be in my stomach. And then as soon as I would open the door and like walk in the room to start teaching, they just went away because it was not about me anymore. As soon as I walked in that room, you know, that's so funny. That literally happens to me like every time with, with interviews, except for I don't, I don't have butterflies. I just get like a little bit nervous before. And then like as soon like 10 seconds after the interview starts, it totally goes away. Um, probably because like you said, it's like not about me anymore. I just need to keep on talking to this person and it's fine. Um, (laughs) so how do you feel like you've gotten better over the course of time with teaching? You know, just honestly, constantly evolving my own practice. Um, I think that it's, you know, I know it's a common saying, and I think that it can be said about really whatever type of work you do is that like you can only teach well what you're practicing yourself right or what you're studying um and so constantly feeding myself and feeding my own practice and growing my own practice um i think is what has kept me growing as a teacher and kept me able to keep teaching people more and new things and deeper things and so on yeah, definitely. Will you take things from other teachers that you like? And, oh, yeah. And try to bring those into your own classes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because the thing is, is that, um, you know, again, with that 7 billion talk, it's like there's so many different ways to approach even just one posture that, like, all I can do, right, is teach you a pose of how I've found success for it in my body. But I know that not every aspect of that is going to work for you. Um, or I might, you know, like pick something up from another teacher where I'm like, Whoa, that was such a like aha moment for me in this pose that I've been doing for so long or that I've never been able to do. And now I got it because of this thing. So, yeah. And I think that that's pretty common in yoga teaching anyway. Like we're all kind of taking from each other and and putting it into our teachings as well yeah definitely do you think that it is completely necessary to do yoga teacher training um or can you just like do a ton of yoga and go into teaching like what what are the valuable things that you come out of yoga teacher training with Hmm, it's a good question so when i went into my training i had already been practicing for like six or seven years Um, and then there were other classmates that like maybe a year, some of them, not even a year and then others like 14 years. So there was a very broad, um, range there, but I felt like I benefited quite a bit because I already had so much knowledge in the asanas or the postures that I was able to refine them more. And I think therefore, just when we're talking about the physical part of the practice, I left the training with really um, being able to teach those postures well, because I had already done them so much in my own body. And now I knew how to articulate that with words, right, to people. But I do think that a teacher training is important because 
I think that that like immersive aspect of really like studying the practice with like a group of people and with, you know, a handful of teachers or one teacher, um, I think it's important to have that experience, um, and have that time of self-study, um, before you go and like teach. And then there's also things that are covered that like, I don't think you would necessarily think about like ethics as a teacher. Um, or even like if you're trying to make it like your thing that you do full time, like there's business of, you know, teaching yoga that's taught and things oh, like wow, that. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I think that there are definitely some, some good tools in teacher training, um, in, in those kind of regards. And then also talking about like a student teacher relationship, um, and you know, like what's appropriate and what's not and stuff like that. And I just feel like some of that stuff, like you may not think about, and of course some people are already like morally or ethically sound in some of those ways. And so they may not need those aspects, but I still feel like it's important to do a training with somebody that just has more experience than you, no matter what it is. Really. When when you graduate and you get out of class, what is the, the process for getting a job i get I, like it's hard enough to mm-hmm. graduate college and get a job i <laughs> yeah. would it's like if there's five different yoga schools in san francisco and there's all these numbers are super low and there's like 10 <laughs> 10 different places where people do yoga and each of those five yoga schools has like five students at one time it's like okay well 25 new students just graduated there's only 10 places where people even do yoga in the whole city how do you get a job? Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. The thing that I've seen most often is that most schools like to hire their trainees. So if you happened to choose a school that was like local to you, then you might end up like auditioning there and getting you know, your first teaching experience there. Um, and they like to, most schools like to do that because it's like that student has been trained with like their manual. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they know that they're going to follow kind of like their style or their, and, and know their policies and all of this. Um, but I think there's so many ways, um, that it can happen. I mean, for me, like it just happened that in my, I had, didn't start teaching right after my 200. I went into an advanced training and it was in my advanced training that one of my classmates just happened to be a studio owner. And then she like, let me come and audition. And I started teaching at her studio. That's awesome. Um, but she also told me that, um, that it was like unique that she ended up hiring me. Cause she was like most recent grads that have never taught before. Like they're not as good as you, you know? So yeah, Christy, <laughs> I was lucky. Yeah. I don't know. So, um, so I mean, that's all, I don't know. It's a hard question. I think though, what I, I, what I see too, because you know, now I, um, I don't, maybe, you know, but at yoga garden, I'm one of the lead trainers in the teacher training program now. Um, and this is also where I did my training. So it's really cool to like full circle there. Um, but they, I see a lot of my graduates, like 
some of them already like were teaching like in their office or something, or were teaching at their like apartment building complex. Um, and then they got their certification and started to like pursue more, right? Because they were just kind of waiting for that piece of paper to say that they could go teach other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like movement, I think, too. I, you know, it, it's kind of like, mm, I hate to say it, but it's really, it's really easy to get certified as a yoga instructor. And so you can kind of think of like, especially like here in San Francisco, it's like yoga instructors are kind of like servers at restaurants, right? Like there's a lot of movement all the time and some are like really good and they're really like into the, like their position, but then others just like they, you know, it's just like, they're just doing it for the money. So they're showing up and so on and so forth. Um, and I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like that's, I'm kind of going off on a weird tangent right now, but um, there's just studios everywhere cranking out 200 hour teacher. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. You're saying naturally people will just sort of get separated eventually. And like, if you truly care about yoga, there will be a job for you. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, it comes from like just being authentic, right. And like teaching, teaching from like your own inner teacher. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but like, that's truly like the main teacher, right? Is like who is inside you. That's where you can operate whatever your skill is from best. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, yeah, like you just said, it's like you will, you will find a place where you're supposed to teach when you're doing it from an authentic part of yourself. Yeah. How do you prepare for classes? Um, Like how do you decide what, poses are going to go in what order and like what flow to do and stuff like that what music Mm -hmm. you're going to play well uh that is also it's funny that's also like another good reason to do a teacher training is because you actually start to learn how to like sequence intelligently um and the music thing i think can go a lot of ways but i'll go back to preparing for the class so for me um when I'm going to teach a class, it's usually, and I think this is pretty common. It's usually like revolving around what's called like a peak pose. So you're going to build up the class to like one major, uh, advanced posture or challenging posture. Um, and you know, um, I just was reading this article um, from another yoga teacher. And the, I like the way that he defined an advanced posture. It's like an advanced posture is one where you have to kind of like break down like step-by-step the mechanics of like how to get in the pose and then like execute it. So it doesn't, you don't have to think just like, you know, some crazy backbend handstand. It could also just be like your peak pose could be plank pose, right. And just getting really proper alignment in a plank because that's, a hard pose too. That's basically all the work of handstand as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, when you're thinking of building a class to a peak pose, then, or when I'm thinking of that, rather, it's always a pose that I've already like been working on myself. Um, so again, like I really only, and I firmly believe that 
yoga teachers should only be teaching postures that they can actually do themselves and that they do do themselves. Um, cause you're putting it in your body. And so you're really starting to understand like how the body works and then it can help you read other people's bodies. So when I'm preparing for a class, it's something that I've already been working on myself. And then I break down the pose, um, into simpler postures that prepare you for that pose. So I look at the peak pose, whatever it may be, and I look at what needs to be open or like flexible or stretching in the pose. And then the counter, what needs to be engaged and, you know, like muscles in action, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's always that, right? If you're even just doing a forward fold, like your quadriceps have to be engaged so that your hamstring can stretch so that you can actually fold. So I start to look at those aspects and then that's how I build the class. We'll start with like, I always, I always start with, um, what are known as the sun salutations A and B, because I just found in my own personal practice, it's the best way that gets the whole body warmed up and the blood flowing. Um, and you need that before you do any kind of physical thing. Right. So I always start with that. And then, yeah, I'll just kind of start to, um, build these themed postures, like I said, that are simpler um, versions of the pose or or that are postures that are going to start to open up the body for the posture. So let's say we're talking about like the wheel pose, the back bend where you're on your hands and your feet and you're bent backwards. Um, like you have to open the front body and strengthen the back body for that. So like I might start them after the warm up with like a low lunge to start to stretch like the front of the hip, release the psoas, and then maybe we'll start to work into like shoulder opening because we have to get all the way to opening through the armpit and the chest so that the arms can be overhead when they're bent back. And so, and then we'll do like things that warm up the spine and back strengthening work um, and all of that. So kind of building everything up. And then after they hit the peak pose, then you have to bring them down with counter work. So it would probably be like twists to start to release the spine and the muscles of the back from such a strong back bend and then forward folds because those are direct counters of a back bend. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that's usually that's usually how how my process goes. I love that. It makes so much sense. Like I don't know why I never thought about that before. And like you yeah, like <laughs> to your point about question. the gym and stuff, like those sorts of things should be done at the gym. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing, right? Like you, if you're going to work out a certain part of the body, you want to activate the muscles first just to wake them up so that they know to fire when you start to put, you know, like the, the weight of the exercise into it. Yeah. And like you said, stretching the opposite muscles and all that. It's yeah. Great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to be like rambling. So go ahead. <laughs> I was going to ask, what do you think about during the class? Like while you're teaching, like, are you walking around the class and looking at people? Are you focused on yourself? No, um, not myself. Um, definitely walking around and and watching my students. Um, it's a really interesting experience to teach a yoga class, um, when you're like into it, because even though you don't do the practice that they're doing, um, you get on the same like vibrational level. Um, and so they like, I'm always walking around and breathing as if I were 
practicing. Um, one, because I want to inspire my students and also like remind them to like always be breathing. So I, I feel like it helps them to like hear that sound constantly through the class. Um, but it also like kind of like drops me into like what they're doing too. And so I do feel like, um, I do feel like I get to that same like meditative level as them when I'm teaching. Um, and I, I kind of know this to be true because sometimes like I've been teaching a class where some student who's like not as focused as like the rest of the class will like randomly ask some like weird question that has like nothing to do with what we're doing. And it, it pulls me out of like where I was, you know? Um, so it's an, it's an interesting thing, but, um, yeah, I definitely walk around. Um, and I, because I like, I need to look at people's bodies and like read them because like we all have different things that fire or misfire or, you know, or like my thing is that I always want to, I always want to evolve people's practices. I always want to help, like, I always want to uplift them and, and empower them to take their practice further and not like in a pushy way, but just because you can see potential in your students and you want to like feed that. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm always watching their bodies cause you, especially, um, because I have such a regular following, um, of students that come, I start to understand their bodies more. I can read them more and more. And so then I can start to like articulate. And for me in my teaching, it's like all about the details. So it's like, if you're not like grounding your right big toe mound when you're lunging, that's why your ankle's not stable, you know? Um, but I can only see that from the outside if I'm like watching. So that's the big thing is I'm just always, always watching the students so I can see how to help them. And I'm listening um, to their breath, like if they're breathing or not, or how they're breathing. Mm. Because as we start to get to more challenging postures, the breath starts to get short and sharp. Um, and so then like that student, I'll have to like come, you know, and remind them like, no, like don't lose that length of the breath. Like it's always got to be the same. Um, or if you're, if you can't get that same breath, like stop what you're doing, get the breath first and then try the pose. Something I always say breath first, then the pose. Um, so yeah, I'm really paying attention to, to the students and, and just, just seeing what I can help them with in their practice. I love that, man. I wish I had you as a yoga teacher. It sounds great. <laughs> um, all right. I get to somewhere camping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Christy, let's go ahead and start to wind this thing down. First of all, I would love it if you could tell us like one of your most memorable experiences ever from teaching a class. Oh man. One of my most memorable experiences ever. Mm. I think it's when, um, I have this one student and he still comes to class. I think he's been practicing with me for like probably almost a year now. And when he started, he, um, didn't have a lot of knowledge, which was fine. Um, and you know, he was lost a lot, but always paying attention to like his neighbors and to what I was saying so that he could learn. And, um, he would try inversions like headstand and forearm stand. And I remember at first he would try them and it wouldn't really wouldn't even like get upside down. And then as he kept coming, he, 
started trying them and he would like kind of get them for a second and then he would fall like really hard and I could tell he would get embarrassed and I would always like try to I always try to smooth it out if somebody like falls because I'm like it's part of the game it just happens and so I, that's what I always say oh it's part of the game so he's not embarrassed and then um over like just before uh, just a few months ago um he was in a class and he just like went up into his forearm stand and was holding it. And I was just like, like, that was just such a big moment for me because I was like, whoa, like you put in the time, but like, I got like, I like you kept coming to my class and it got you from like a, like all the way to here to whatever letter this is now, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think over and over again, like what are the most memorable moments is when I see these like transformations in my students, like when they're doing things that I, I knew they couldn't do a year ago. It's yeah. like, it's just so amazing. And I don't really take credit for that um, because it's not me. Like they show up, they do the work, but to get to be a witness to that kind of stuff, like something so like such an intimate part of people's lives is really just like the highest Not honor. just a witness, but such a participant in the process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like over and over again, I'm like, why do I get to be in this room? Like, how am I so lucky? You know, it's, yeah. it's really amazing to watch people show up for themselves to change themselves and then do it. Yeah. It's really amazing. So one of the last things I wanted to ask about was pay for yoga teachers. I imagine it varies a ton. I guess what mm -hmm. I would like to know is in your experience, is it more common nowadays for yoga teachers to have a fixed pay? Like we'll pay you $20 an hour or is it more common for yoga teachers to have variable pay? Like for every student that shows up, you get, you know, five bucks or something. Yeah. Um, most of the studios, um, I would say are on that variable um, pay style. So commonly you'll either have it just be like, you know, little blocks or I don't know if the word is, but blocks of like numbers of students equate to like a certain amount of money, like a fixed rate that you'll make. Mm -hmm. So it's like zero to eight students will be 20 bucks or something like that. And then it goes on till like whatever the room max is. And then more commonly I've found, um, studios will, like, uh, I don't know how you word it, but it's like, they'll say like, you start making $5 per student after like the first five or eight students in the class. Right. So, but you get paid like, uh, like flat rate as well. I, I know it's kind of confusing. So no, it's that like, totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll get paid like $25 and then after five or whatever the number of students is that they set, then you start making $5 a head on top of that or $3 or whatever their rate is. Um, but then there can also be fixed when you're talking about like corporate or private um, work, because on, on that side, the teacher is naming their price themselves. And so then that's a fixed rate. That's got to be the most lucrative way to do yoga, I would imagine, to be a teacher. Yeah, definitely the private stuff, retreats, workshops, um, and then like the one-on-one -on -one stuff and the corporate. Yeah, corporate especially event. in the Bay Area. It's like there's so many tech companies just throwing money everywhere. So um, <laughs> doing, doing yoga for their, for their employees is like no big deal. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, so let's go ahead and finish up with advice for anyone that would like to be a yoga teacher. Mm, I mean, I've already said it, but like the the main thing that I would always say is just like like be authentic, like teach what you're practicing. Don't don't try to teach from anywhere else because. It, like it will work for a little while, but if you're looking for like lasting students and like a strong following and really like connecting with people, like you have to be doing it from like your true self. So teach what you practice and be authentic. Love it. Great life advice, not just yoga, but everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Thank you so much, Christy. This has been great. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.